Welcome to Podcraft, honing the art of podcasting. The bite-sized show that covers one topic in depth each series. Your complete podcasting guide. Podcraft brings the pieces together so you don't have to. And now your host, Colin Gray. Hey there and welcome to Podcraft. This is the series where we're honing the art of podcasting. And as you know, we're continuing on with season five. This season is all about monetization, how to make a penny or two out of your podcast. Last time around, we were talking about affiliate income. So how you can try and make a little bit of money out of affiliate income, selling other people's products or promoting other people's products. This time around, though, we're talking about your own product. So how you can sell your own product or your own service as a company. This is really aimed at more traditional businesses than the last one around, probably. More people who have been around for a while, uh, or not, maybe you're a brand new business, but you're selling a product, you're selling a service, and you already have that in existence, and you want to know how to use a podcast to go about getting that product or that service out there a bit more widely. Talking of products, just a brief mention, you'll know if you subscribe to the mailing list that we now have our first couple of courses out. So we have one, which is Podcast Liberation, which is really the launch course. It's the first three to four months of your show. So the two months prior where you're planning it out, you're getting your strategy in place, you're recording your first few episodes, editing them, producing them, and then afterwards as well. So your promotion for the first couple of months. So that's what Podcast Liberation is. We'd love you to come along and check it out. Come along and see it at thepodcasthost.com forward slash university and you can see the course there. I've also got one as well on creating a podcasting website. So if you're interested in creating a website for your podcast, something that really turns those uh, casual visitors into loyal listeners, then pop along to thepodcasthost.com forward slash university and you'll see it there. But back to your products and services and how we're going to get them sold via a podcast. So first thing I want to do is just go through a few examples. I want to go through some real life examples, the real types of businesses that I can sort of apply these techniques to. Uh, So I just want to go through these. I've got six in mind, which I'm going to give you examples around throughout this episode. So the first one is people that sell products. So I was trying to think of more traditional businesses along with uh, sort of maybe newer types of business as well. So the first one I'm going to talk about is office furniture. So you're just talking about a business that sells office furniture, just the standard uh, outlet, that's desks and chairs, that kind of thing. So, you know, a pretty standard business there. You might also have somebody who's selling books. So this is an individual, just one person who's an author. They sell their books. Maybe they write science fiction. So I'll take that as an example. Just a science fiction writer that's trying to promote their own set of books. And then finally, maybe another local business which could expand more widely. And that would be, say, a bar that's looking to expand into brewing. So if you own a bar, or it could apply to a restaurant or a cafe, but you might be able to expand into something that could sell more widely, like uh, say the bar is going to brew some beer and be able to offer it by mail order, then that's another type of product you could offer. But it is quite a sort of local focus initially there, which I think is a good example because a lot of people ask about how podcasting can apply to local businesses as well. Now moving on to services. First one I'm going to talk about is photography lessons. So say a photographer offers lessons which teaches other people how to take pictures. That can be offered one-to-one or it could be a course that's offered online. So it could be a different uh, set of services that they offer. Next up we have event tickets. So somebody that runs a conference say and they sell tickets for that conference. 
Uh, in particular, I'm thinking of a conference that's run locally by a friend of mine, Chris Moore, so the Content Marketing Academy. So I'll give you a few examples around that. But that could apply to anyone that sells event tickets at all. So anyone that runs an event or a workshop or a training event, anything like that, that could, uh, that could sell tickets more widely around the country. And then finally, we've got a local service, which is veterinary services. So say a vet wanted to try and get their uh, their brand out there a bit more, try and attract more customers to their vet, make their vets stand out a bit more, then how could they do that through a podcast? So that's the six example businesses that I've come up with that we're going to go through in this episode. And I hope you can find one there, at least that applies slightly to yourself. Uh, at least uh, there's parallels there. But I'll be covering everything. And I do believe that these techniques can apply to anyone out there, just about anyone at all, no matter what you sell, whether it's a product or a service, and no matter whether you're business to business, business to business to customer, uh, whatever you're selling out there, I believe that there is a place for podcasting whether it's big or small and i know there are people out there thinking but i'm different i don't know if anybody's going to hear a podcast or enjoy a podcast about my subject but i'd love to talk to you if you think that's true because uh, i'm always looking for examples of businesses that don't think that something like podcasting or blogging or putting content out there would apply to them because they just think their content is uh, or their subject is too boring and there's loads of people out there that think their content is too boring uh, to to be applicable to a wider audience so please do get in touch you can get me at colin at the podcast host.com uh, and i'd love to have a conversation with you about that uh, and try and figure out how we can make your podcast uh, or your content in general interesting to a wider audience because i do think that just about anyone any industry can do that so before we get into the hows and the deeper examples, I think it's worth covering a couple of the principles, what the aim of your podcast will be if you're selling a product or a service. So if you're a company that already sells products or services or you're looking to sell that through a podcast, the big aims that you have through that podcast or any content you produce is really that building of trust, building of credibility, building of authority, building all of those things within your niche. So what you're looking to do is actually just find that audience, find those people that are interested in whatever it is that you do and you want them to start to trust you. You want them to start to think that or start to realise how credible you are, what you know about that niche, all of your knowledge, uh, the way that you stand out, all of the things that makes you unique within that niche. That is your aim with your podcast. You're going to be talking about your your subject, you're going to be talking about your niche, you're going to be talking about everything that you know, all of your expertise gathered over the last decades or however long it is you've been doing your business. That's what you're going to be talking about, that's what you're going to be offering to your listener. And by offering them that, that's how they come to trust you, that's how they come to like you, that's how they come to think... This is the person I want to do business with when I want to buy this product or that service. And through all of that, of course, that is building your brand. So that's coming back to more traditional marketing. Through that trust, that credibility, that authority, that's building your brand. That's getting your name, your logo, your brand out there much more widely. And that's the thing with podcasting, actually. Some people think that, uh, often come to me and ask, is this relevant for a local business? So I only serve my local town. There's maybe 10, 20,000 or even up to 50, 100,000 people locally to me. Is it still worthwhile putting time into a podcast for that reason? Because it's quite a small target market. And yes, I think it is. Now, the prospective customers might be more limited initially if you're a local business but 
The thing is, as a business that's putting out great content, you're going to attract people to your brand from a much wider audience, even internationally. And you might think initially that's no use to you if you're a vet or a selling office furniture in one city. But actually, if you start to grow fans around the country or even in other countries, they start to become fans of you. They start to become advocates of your brand and they start to promote your brand. And the thing is, they don't only promote it in their own community, they promote it worldwide. So they've got their own audience, which then reaches around the world, which will reach back to people in your local area. So if you start to be promoted by other people, then they start to promote you and that reaches everywhere. So that reaches back to your own local community. It reaches into the media as well. So if you're starting to be talking about elsewhere in your own country, so you're in the US or the UK, there's other towns, other cities around that country starting to talk about you. Or people even in other countries, so getting across to Australia or in Asia or wherever it is they're talking about you. That starts to build your credibility so much more with other industry people or with the media. And that lets you get your brand out even more by becoming an authority on TV or radio. They start to call you when uh, your subject is being talked about. So I do believe even though your local business, even though your local market may seem small, building a brand in an international market helps you in so many other ways, as well as growing yourself in your local market, because it all comes around in a big circle back to people who live close to you. And of course, that's discounting the fact that once you get a much wider audience, it might be that you can expand into different products. So that photography uh, teacher that I talked about a little bit uh, a little bit ago is one of our examples. They maybe do just local classes initially, but actually they would create an audio course that is available more widely. So they can then sell that audio course internationally. The vet may only serve local customers initially, but they may create a course on looking after a dog or a dog training course or how to look after your cat or even a book, a first-time pet owner's guide. So anyone in any local business can start to think more internationally once they have a bigger audience and start to create different types of products. And I've seen many businesses do really well that way and actually expand their profits, expand their sort of, uh, their range of products so much uh, more successfully because they've engaged in podcasting or content marketing in general uh, in, the, in the early days and built that audience. And how you build that audience? Well, it's by teaching, not selling. So, I mentioned earlier on that you're looking to build that trust, you're looking to build that credibility, and that's by putting your knowledge out there. And you do that by teaching. So you do that by answering your customers' questions. So you answer the questions that they all most often ask you. So think about the last few customers that come into your shop or your bar or your your veterinary surgery. What did they ask you? What were the most common questions that came up yesterday or the day before? There's tons of content in there. There's tons of things in there that your customers want to know. They're the people that are interested in what you do. They want to know answers to those questions and they know that you can answer them. You can move on to other types of content in the future. So you can change your subjects and get more theme based. But in the early days, those questions are the big ones. And there are a big five set of questions, or I say the, the big five, and they revolve around certain things that really matter the most to your customers. So I'll just quickly go through those. First of all, we have cost. So cost is always the big one. You're selling something. People want to know what it costs. And so many people go out there and hide their costs. You don't want to tell people how much you cost. You don't want to give prices for certain things. You might think there's reasons for that. So you might think your costs are variable or it depends on something. But people still want to know. They'll come to your website. They'll come to your podcast. They'll come to, uh, they'll find you on the web. And if you don't tell them at least an idea of what the costs are, what those costs depend on, then they're likely to go to somebody else who will. 
So if you're the first person that's willing to discuss cost in your in your area, in your industry, then you're going to have a huge advantage over your competitors. Next, we have problems. And this is another thing people are always afraid to talk about. Why would I talk about problems with my products? But people are searching for it. People know there are problems with the things that you, you do. So think about the questions that your customers ask you related to problems around your, your product, things that have come up, things that people struggle with around your product, and answer them. Be the one that answers them, and you'll gain so much more trust by actually tackling those problems, by giving honest answers to them in your industry. Next, we've got comparisons. That's an easy one. So this versus that. Uh, so take the bar as an example. You've got IPA versus Porter. Which one's uh, which one's the best? I mean, that's a subjective thing. But uh, you've always got comparisons within industries. Maybe you'll be the brave vet to tackle the question dogs versus cats or something similar. Uh, but there's always there's definitely more serious ones. Like one of the best examples of content marketing uh, in the world at the moment is a guy called Marcus Sheridan who run, uh, ran a company called River Pools. And one of his comparisons was uh, fiberglass pools versus concrete pools. They only sold fiberglass pools, but they did an honest comparison of why you might want a, a concrete pool, why you might want a fiberglass pool. And they told people that if this is your situation, then you will want a concrete pool, even though we don't do it. So they gave an honest answer to that comparison built trust and authority because of that and gained more customers because of it, even though they pointed people honestly to a different solution sometimes. Next, you've got best. So uh, what are the best uh, beers in the world? What are the best cameras out there for photographers? What are the best uh, pet insurance providers? So you can always give bests. And related to that are reviews. So you can always review products. There's always lots of products to review within your industry. And if you give honest reviews of other people's products, competitors' products, uh, anything that you can give out reviews of will attract people to your website. So, for example, the beer one, you can review quite a lot of beers. There's plenty of scope there to review uh, thousands of beers in the industry. Uh, as the, as the, the vet, you could review uh, pet insurance providers. So say this is what they offer, this is the cost of them, that's, uh, this, is, this is the one we would recommend based on that. And even the, the photography uh, provider as well, they could review cameras. So there's plenty of products related to that as well. So I'll go through the examples. I've given a few examples already, of course, but go through the examples I provided earlier and do a few of the big five for them. So first off, you've got the office furniture company. There's a few obvious ones there. So uh, what's the best chair to keep my back safe? So looking at the best chairs for posture or how much does a four person office cost? And of course, the answer to that is going to be it depends what you want. But you can talk about what factors go into uh, the cost of that. So if you want a desk this size, then it's going to cost that much. If you want a desk this size, it's going to cost that much. Uh, if you want filing cabinets, you know, all of the factors that go into the cost you can cover. The author, so they could do the best sci-fi of all time. They could do the top five sci-fi authors. Not include yourself, of course, and that builds a little bit more authority and trust. You could review another author, uh, author, sorry, some author that you really like. That's a, an authority and a trust builder. If you actually do an honest review of another sci-fi author you really like, and you can pass them on to them. Or you can do some more fun stuff. So if some industries can actually get away with quite a lot more fun things, like a sci-fi author could write about, is time travel possible? Or when will we colonise Mars? Those types of questions. You can cover that type of thing and really hit the, uh, the, sort of, uh, the desires of your possible customers. 
with beer there's obviously a, a whole bunch of stuff you could write about there but what's an IPA from the simple how do we use hops or going on to the best what's the best beer in the world or cost what's the most expensive beer in the world plenty of scope there too for lots of content photography we've got what's the best camera or what makes a picture out of focus lots of questions that people always ask about photography you'll find plenty of blogs out there that you can research for questions that are common but then if you're a photographer i'm sure you have those kind of questions in mind too events so if you're marketing the event uh, you'll obviously ask questions around your subject so people will ask questions whatever it is related to whatever you're teaching during that event so for the content marketing academy for example what does content marketing cost what are the best content marketing books out there moving on to the vet uh, i've already mentioned this what's the best pet insurance but that type of thing something that's related to cost as well and best so if you can cover a couple of the big five there what's the best pet insurance is obviously going to be a quite a cost related subject because really people are tempted just to take the lowest cost insurance but actually when they're caring for something they love like a pet maybe actually they want to spend a bit more and therefore they want a, a best of review uh, which tells them why it's worth spending a bit more for this certain type of insurance so hopefully plenty of examples in there to get you kick-started. And I realise that most of you out there won't be related to these particular industries, but I hope they sort of spur some ideas that might give you some content within your own area. Now, to cover some secondary aims of the show as well, if you're running a company that's selling products and services, there's a few other benefits that can come out of a podcast as well. Uh, first of which is building networks. So this is one of the most common benefits that people get from running a podcast. So I normally recommend not doing an interview-only show because I especially think that when you're running a company, you're trying to build authority, trying to build credibility. So you want to get yourself on there. You want to get your staff on there. You want to get people related to your company onto the podcast so that you're building your own authority first and foremost. But interviews are really valuable though they get another voice on there they get a bit of variety they bring in um, a little bit more credibility as well so if you've got people who are really credible in your in your industry then you bring them in and it adds a bit more credibility to your show assuming you've already got some credibility there so it's worthwhile having interviews and the benefit of that is those networks so you start to build up a network of people who are willing to help promote your service or maybe partner with you if they've got complementary services. So you just get to know a lot more people in your industry. You build your reputation within your industry with people who do similar to what you do, either competitors or partners, people who do complementary things. So it's quite a big benefit of running a podcast there. And related to that is the learning, actually. So talking to those others in your space expands your own knowledge. So there's always going to be gaps. You can't know everything about your industry. So getting people on who cover those gaps, who are experts in areas where you perhaps aren't so expert or where there's areas where your your company doesn't specialise. Getting them in can add some more content, more valuable content to your podcast, but also more valuable content to your brain. So stuff that you learn from them that can benefit you. So that's another few benefits to running that show as a company, uh, selling products or services as well. Now, on to format. I've already covered format a little bit just briefly there. And I would say shy away from interviews only. Uh, again, they are good for building those connections and they change that voice up every now and again. But I would just emphasize it really, if you're interviewing only, you are acting almost as the 
the unexpert person, the beginner who's asking questions of that interviewer. It's quite hard to build authority in a big way over time, being that person who's only asking questions and not adding that much. A good interviewer obviously can get their own expertise in there. They can add to the interview. They can make it a conversation as opposed to just an interview. And I would say it's not always the case. There are plenty of interview shows out there who have built authority just through bringing other people on. Interviews only, but still that person has gained authority through having those people on their show. But I would argue that it doesn't do it as quickly, it doesn't do it as effectively, especially now that interview shows are arguably overplayed. There's a lot of interview shows out there copying the sort of the original uh, people that got into interview shows and just trying to sort of piggyback on their success. So I would say try, if you can, to get a co-host, somebody within your company, perhaps a staff member or a partner, a business partner. And if you can, get those people on regularly. They don't need to be on every time. It doesn't need to be the same person every time. You yourself will be the main host and you'll hopefully have another regular co-host or perhaps a few regular co-hosts that swap in and out depending on who's available at the time. Now, they could also be a beginner. So it could be somebody who's asking you questions as the expert. That format works quite nicely, actually. So if you've got, say, a junior person in your company that can ask all the stupid questions and you can answer them, or possibly somebody outside. Maybe you'll have somebody that you want to take on as a as a mentee. You'll be a mentor for them and they'd be willing to take part in your podcast every week uh, and sort of add that second voice. The reason that a partner is good is that a conversational podcast tends to be more easy to make engaging because that conversation is just a little bit, uh, it's just easier to listen to than a monologue. Saying that, if you can't find a partner, do not let that put you off. So don't let that put you off actually just putting out a monologue podcast, such as I'm doing right now. It is possible to make a podcast which is engaging with just one voice. The key is keeping it quite focused, keeping it quite well planned, making sure you've got your structure in place, you're not going to waffle too much, and getting a bit of practice in presenting as well. So that kind of presentation style, making sure that you're varying your voice, all that kind of stuff. So it is possible to do a monologue podcast well. Keep it short as well, that's the other key. (laughs) And uh, I try to keep these podcast episodes very short so that we keep them uh, nice and focused, nice and planned. So that's how you'll deliver them. On to the actual structure of the episodes themselves. I always argue, if you've listened to my content before, I always argue for a season-based approach. So the traditional way of podcasting is podcasting every single week. You commit to doing it every week or every two weeks or every every month even. And you just pick a new topic every single week. I argue that it's quite unstructured. It doesn't lead to a great experience for the listener because they're always getting something different every time. It's not really building up a sort of uh, the teaching that you're offering. Also, they can't find things very easily because all of your, your content is quite mixed up. Whereas if you do a season you will cover a topic start to finish. You'll choose something, you'll choose to cover it over maybe five episodes, 10 episodes, up to 20 episodes, and you'll do a lesson every week or every fortnight that builds upon the previous one. And it's essentially a course. You'll be doing, say, eight to 10 episodes covering uh, photography. So the photography example that I have, I actually know a lady called Julie Christie who runs it this way exactly and it does really well. So she did a season for beginners around 12 to 15 episodes doing questions like what is focus? What is aperture? Why do I have to think about white balance? And she answered all of those questions over 10 to 15 episodes and she now has an excellent resource that is evergreen. It's always around. It's always relevant that she can point people back to. And I think that that is the best way for anyone to podcast. 
not quite everyone, <laughs> that'll be a bit of an overstatement, but the vast majority of people will podcast most effectively using this method. And the best thing about it is that you feel so much more purposeful, so much more focused while you're podcasting this way. Because you have a plan, you're moving towards the end of your season, and you know you're going to get a break at the end of it as well. It's not this relentless treadmill of podcasting where you're trying to come up with a new topic every single week, which ends up to just you sounding like you're you're going through a drudge, you're bored, you're, you're fed up with this, you're struggling to come up with content. So that's why I always talk about seasons. So a couple of examples of that. Say the bar chooses to do a podcast, they might do their first season as the Poser's Guide to Beer. So it's to teach people new to craft beer how to uh, how to look knowledgeable how to pose up about it how to impress people with your knowledge so i might do an episode on how it's brewed the different types of beer what abv means how to taste beer correctly if you cover all of that in one season you're obviously going to go into other seasons in future but even that first one season if that's all you ever do then that'll build huge authority for the bar it'll showcase your knowledge it'll showcase your speciality and the point of difference as well so you can get in there exactly what your ideas what your ethos around that beer um, the types of beer that you serve is it really gets across what you're all about in future though say you open uh, a little brew kit or something suddenly uh, this season is a way to draw people in from further away as well so you're educating people about how beer is made about what's of what's special about the type of beer you make you might be able to attract people from all over the country to come and work with you on your brew kit to actually brew their own beer because of that authority you're showcasing through that content and then actually maybe you use that brew kit to create some beer so actually you have some of your own beer and you can sell that by mail order to that audience that you've created so that audience that now knows how much you know about beer how much you care about beer how much you care about the sort of um, the attention that goes into it the ingredients you put into it they're so much more likely to buy that beer because of that knowledge because of that personality that you've showcased within that podcast Let's take the vet as well. So they might do something like the first dog owner's guide. So you're a first time dog owner and it's a guide to how to own that dog well. So how to train the dog, how to uh, choose dog food, what type of food it needs, what type of insurance to get, dog grooming, problems that crop up, all that kind of stuff. Very similar to the bar, it grows authority, it grows reputation, it shows how much you care, what you think about dogs, what you think, you know, obviously you're a vet, a vet so they expect you to like animals, but you can show just how much you like animals and your sort of feelings behind them. You're, um, you can really get across exactly uh, the type of person you are as a vet, the type of uh, approach your company takes towards animals and it really sort of, that's what creates that loving audience that becomes fanatical about what you do. And of course, as a vet as well, it can lead to other products. So we talked earlier on about a book or an audio course. It can lead to other things that you can sell and sort of diversify your income. Okay, so I want to quickly cover the fears before we go on to the next one. So the first thing that always comes up here is people say, but I'm giving everything away. Why, are, why is anybody going to buy from me still? The thing is, you give everything away, people still buy from you because your customers, they want to be guided. They want to be reassured and they want to save time as well. So even if people know how to do things, then they're still going to come to you to get help on it. Some people obviously are going to go away and do it themselves, but most likely they would have done that anyway. There are still people that are going to come to you and buy your service, buy your product, even if you basically give them away everything that's within that service or that product. People often know how to do things, but they still really want to have their hands held or they simply don't have the time to do it. So actually they want you to do it for them anyway. So this is kind of mixing across products and services, but 
it really does work for both. I have heard people argue that you should tell them the what and the why. So why you do what you do and what you do, but you just don't give them the how. And then you sell the how yourself. And that seems to work for some people, actually, consultants particularly, or perhaps people who are actually selling education. So if you tell them everything, then that basically is your entire product. But actually, I've seen people give away everything. So the why, the what and the how, and then still sell a course that does it all because your customers, they trust you, they grow to trust you, they grow to love you through the content you put out. And they want to have that all in one place, all collated, uh, guided, uh, sorry, guiding them through it they'll still pay for that because of uh, the reputation that you've grown through the content you put out there. The other fear that people say to me is that they don't have the time. And I'll admit this, this does take time. It takes commitment. And a lot, but <laughs> you put that time and your commitment into it and a long-term gain is huge, truthfully. Now, just imagine if one of your competitors starts doing this in a few months' time. So you could start it now, you could get a few months' head start, but say you don't, they start it in three or four months' time and next year... They've got a ton of content out there. They've got podcasts out there and they end up being, uh, say, the best known bar in the country. Or there's a vet that starts appearing on TV as the go-to animal expert out there. You have a chance to hit this right now and start to grow that reputation within your industry and beat all your competitors to it before they do. And I, I can tell you that I know that this is going to be so much more prevalent in a year's time, in two years' time, when people realise that the traditional ways of marketing are just dying, they're dropping away, and it's all about content, it's all about giving value to your customers. So you need to get in now before all of your competitors realise this as well, and actually make your mark, really uh, get stamp your authority on your industry, uh, and make sure that you're the one that's doing it first. So the final parts of this are the mechanics. How do we actually pull it off? So the first bit is getting them off the podcast. So you need to get them off the podcast and to wherever you sell your products or services. That's the first part. Now, Pretty Link is a tool for any WordPress website, which allows you to create really easy to say links. So it lets you create links that are just one or two words that you can say on your podcast that are quite memorable. So for me, for example, thepodcasthost.com forward slash. And actually, often I'll want to uh, direct people to products, to courses, to services that will always have sort of slightly complicated addresses or quite long addresses that might take a while to read out on the podcast. But I can create really simple little addresses like thepodcasthost.com forward slash course or thepodcasthost.com forward slash book and direct them to the right place. So you need a tool like Pretty Link to allow that really easy, memorable link creation that will get your customers to the right place. Now, where to direct them though so where do you actually direct them to so there's two options here i think for low-cost products and services you can direct them straight to the sales page or straight to the landing page straight to wherever you want them to go to be able to buy this product so that's if it's kind of a low barrier so if it's only sort of say 50 pounds or less perhaps up to 100 pounds or less you might be able to sell it without much more authority or trust than the podcast itself. You've already done quite a lot of work through your podcast. That trust building, that's one of the the real benefits of podcasting above the other mediums is that it builds a lot of trust by itself just by hearing your voice, hearing your personality, hearing that transparency you're putting out there so you can direct them straight to the sales page. So using Pretty Lick, direct them straight to that sales page, straight to that landing page. If you're, that's if you're selling digital products, of course, and they can buy it straight away. Or if you're selling mail order products, they can buy it straight away and you send it out. 
If you're offline, however, if you're a vet, for example, you want to try and get customers in, direct them to a contact form, direct them to that lead form where they'll get in touch and they'll start to be a customer for you. So you can actually start to sell something to them from then on. Or, of course, talk about your outlet. So if you're a bar, talk about where you are, talk about where they can find you. If you're thinking about a sort of longer term plan, you want to get people from further afield, talk about why it's worth coming to stay in your area for a night just to visit your location as well. But don't labour it. I mean, the thing with a podcast is that you're giving out value and you're trusting that this is building that that credibility, that trust, that, that sort of fandom, that people actually coming to love your brand. That means that they will want to come and visit you without you trying to persuade them to. But on the other hand, don't be afraid to ask them the favour. Don't be afraid to ask them for the sale. So you can do that. Now, the other option is if you have higher cost products and services. And if you do, if they're over £100, if they're maybe a few hundred pounds, if it's consultancy services or quite high value products, then it might be that you can't direct them straight to the sales page. They might need a bit more education, a bit more value. They might need something else just to get them towards that buying path. So that in that case, you'll direct them towards your website maybe towards a free download or a free course. And the aim of that is to get them onto your mailing list. So you want to get them onto your mailing list so that you can then start sending them more valuable content. You can start sending them more things which get them to love your your brand, your company, uh, build that trust and credibility in another way. So you're building it through the podcast, but also through emails, which give a lot more content as well. And then that develops more of a long-term relationship. So you can start to tell people via email that the new episode's out on the podcast or you're launching a new product or you've got an event coming up. Really, that's where you want them to be. You want them to be on your email list because that's when you can push things to them as opposed to waiting for them to come to you, read your content or listen to your content. And also, of course, once they're onto your website or onto your email list, you can get them onto your other outlets, such as your social media, and essentially get them indoctrinated into your brand. Uh, so that they're just following you everywhere, really coming to love your content, really coming to expect it and coming to look forward to it. Of course, there's a whole thing in there about creating a website that then converts that potential lead, that warm lead into a sale. But I'm not going to cover that on this podcast. I don't think that's really within the scope of what we're doing here. But once you get them onto that website, you want to try and convert them into that sale. So that's your next job. But we've done the job that the podcast aimed to set out, which is to get them towards that sale, to get them off the podcast, build that trust, build that authority, really get to love your brand and actually think about doing something else. So think about taking that next step, whether it's going straight to your sales page or whether it's joining your email list. So I hope that gave you a great idea about how you can sell a product or a service for your company through a podcast. And if there's anything that you're wondering about that still, any questions that you still have, then please do pop over to the show notes. We'll answer a few of them there. Drop on a question on the comments as well, and I'll answer as best I can there. You can get there by just going to thepodcasthost.com forward slash 503. That's thepodcasthost.com forward slash 503 and you'll get links to everything uh, that was mentioned in this podcast as well as notes which uh, basically line uh, outline all of the stuff i've talked about so if you want a little revision or to uh, to just find out more then pop over to that page and please do put any questions you have in at the bottom of that page you'll find a comments section at the very bottom the alternative way to contact me of course is through twitter you can find me at the podcast host on twitter and uh, yeah i'd love to hear from you 
And final mention, of course, for the course that we are now selling as well, which is Podcast Liberation. So if you're still struggling to get your podcast out there, if you're feeling trapped, you just want to set that podcast free, or even you're just thinking about podcast and you want a course, which will take you right through the planning stages, getting your strategy in place so you can make sure that your podcast is well set up for monetization in future uh, and also well set up just for uh, attracting listeners and really growing a great listener base. Uh, then this course is for you. It'll take you through everything, including some of the technical stuff, the equipment you need, up to artwork and and music, uh, right up to promotion as well for your first few weeks. So by all means, check that out at thepodcasthost.com forward slash university. And that wraps us up for another week. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for coming along. Please do pop along next time for the next episode, which will be about sponsorship and advertising. This is one of the most common ones that people ask about. It's how do you create a podcast? That will succeed through sponsorship and advertising. And how do you get sponsorship and advertising? How much money can I make through sponsorship? So we'll be answering all those questions for you next time around on PodCraft. Thanks again and have a great day. If you want more of everything podcasting, from equipment guides to podcasting courses, head over to thepodcasthost.com. And don't forget to give us some feedback. Leave a comment at podcraft.net or send Colin a tweet at the podcast host. Thanks for listening.